Well, if we could, this evening, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read. The Gospel according to John and chapter 3. And if we just take as our text this evening the words of verse 8. John chapter 3 and verse 8. Where Jesus says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now as those who live on an island, we are very familiar with the wind. And we're very familiar with the effects of the wind. And we've seen that in the past week uh, with Storm Caroline causing chaos. Uh, We had schools that were closed. We had buses that were cancelled. We had ferries that were cancelled. And because of Storm Caroline, we see the effects of the wind. And we see that the the evidence of what the wind is able to do, whether that's causing rough seas or blowing over bins or taking slates off the roof of our house, There is power in the wind as it comes with force. But it doesn't matter how many storms we witness and how much damage we see. None of us have ever seen the wind. We've seen the effects of the wind. We've witnessed the power of the wind. We've seen the evidence of what the wind can do. But none of us have ever seen the wind. And you know, it was on Thursday morning when Storm Caroline was raging outside... I was sitting, looking out the window, and I was seeing some of the kids' toys being blown about in the garden. Maybe I should have put them into the shed. But I was thinking to myself, with all these toys outside, that they're, they're moving. And they look like they have a life of their own. Because the football, it was just rolling around in the garden, swirling around. There was this sit-on tractor that was rolling backwards and forwards. There was these little toy cars that were moving up and down the pavement. Uh, Not to mention the bins that wanted to climb over the fence. And you know, just looking at the toys and the bins, they all seem to have a life of their own. They just seem to be moving by themselves without the help of any human effort. The effect of the wind was clear to see. And you know, when we come to this well-known chapter in John's Gospel, that's what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus speaks about salvation and when he speaks about the need to be born again, he uses the wind in order to illustrate the way in which the Holy Spirit works in someone's heart. And what Jesus says to Nicodemus is that just like the wind, you can't see the wind, but you see the effects and the evidence of the wind. Just like the wind, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. And we can see the evidence of the Holy Spirit when he has been working in the heart and life of a sinner. And this work and life-giving power, it's not a movement, Jesus says, of any human effort. It's a movement of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus is teaching here because he says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And what I'd like us to consider this evening is how the Holy Spirit works in the heart of a sinner. 
And in particular, I'd like us to consider how the Holy Spirit was working in the heart of Nicodemus. Because when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he didn't leave the same way that he came. And that's what happens to everyone who has an encounter with Jesus Christ. Something changes. And what changes and and how that change comes about is because of a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we know, the Holy Spirit, he is the third person in the Godhead. The Catechism reminds us that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. They're the same in substance, equal in power and glory. And the Holy Spirit, he has a, a great work, a key work. And in this chapter, Jesus gives to us a lesson on the work of the Holy Spirit. But unbeknown to Nicodemus, Nicodemus is actually the illustration and he is the example for Jesus' lesson. And so I'd like us to consider Jesus' lesson on the Holy Spirit under three headings. The condition of Nicodemus, the change in Nicodemus, and the commitment of Nicodemus. The condition of Nicodemus, the change in Nicodemus, and the commitment of Nicodemus. So if we look first of all at the condition of Nicodemus. Look again at verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this nighttime meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus, it was going to have a radical impact upon the life of the ruler of the Jews. Because as Nicodemus comes to Jesus seeking answers to questions that his religion couldn't answer, John, this gospel writer, he wants to describe to us the condition of Nicodemus' soul as he came to Jesus. He wants to describe to us what was going on in Nicodemus' heart, what the condition was when Nicodemus came to Jesus. And John, he uses lots of little phrases that help us understand the condition of Nicodemus' soul. Because we're told from the outset in verse 1 that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. And as a Pharisee, Nicodemus lived by the strictest possible rules of his religion. Nicodemus was obsessed with the laws of God. And Pharisees, they added laws to the law of God, ironically, to protect the law of God. They lived strict, upright lives, but more often than not, their hearts were empty and their lives were just a show of outward appearances. Because in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke of the fact that the the Pharisees were hypocrites. And that they had a religious righteousness that wasn't from God. That they did things just so that they would be seen by other people. And Jesus gives examples that the Pharisees, when they gave money to the temple, they sounded a trumpet. When they prayed, they prayed on the street corner so that everyone would hear them and see them. And when they fasted, they put on these glum looking faces in order that everyone would know that they were fasting. And so for the Pharisees, it was all about outward appearances. It was all about being seen by others. But none of it pleased God. 
And you know, that's one of the greatest dangers of religion. Doing things just to be seen by others. And let's not pretend that Pharisaic practices are dead. They're not. Because there are many Pharisees who come to church just to be seen by others. There are many Pharisees who will say the right things and do the right things and try to keep up appearances. But as Jesus said to the Pharisees in his day, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's what Nicodemus was like when he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus just to pay lip service. He came to honor Jesus as this teacher in Israel. But as John says at the end of chapter 2, Jesus knows what's in man. Jesus knows what's in his heart. And you know, it's a warning to us not to come to church just to pay lip service to Jesus. Because Jesus already knows our heart. Jesus already knows what's going on inside. But you know, Nicodemus, he was not only a Pharisee. We're also told that he was a ruler of the Jews. He was in a position of authority within his own community and within his own religion. Nicodemus, he was a well-known and well-respected man in his community. And yet when he came to Jesus, he was seeking the truth. He was seeking answers to questions that his religion couldn't provide. Nicodemus was, was searching for the truth. But you know, Nicodemus, he wasn't a man who was ignorant of his Bible. Because Nicodemus, we're told, he was a, a teacher in Israel. He was a professor of theology. He knew what the scripture said. He knew what the scriptures taught. But what Nicodemus was going to discover was that there was a radical difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. There's a radical difference between knowing what the Bible says in your head and loving what the Bible says in your heart. And you know, sometimes that six inches or so between your head and your heart, it's a massive gulf. And I have no doubt that many of you in here, if not all of you, you all know who Jesus is. You all know why Jesus came. You all know what the cross is about. You all know what the empty tomb is about. But I fear that you all know it in your head. And you don't know it in your heart. And because you know it in your head. You worship God with just your lips. But your heart. Is far from him. Don't just worship God with your lips. Worship him. With your heart. But there's one more thing we're told about the condition of Nicodemus. As he came to Jesus. We're told that he was a Pharisee. We're told that he was a respected ruler of the Jews. But then we're told that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And with this John, he's, he's more than telling us at what time of day Nicodemus came to Jesus. Because for John, the writer of this gospel, the themes of light and dark, darkness, they are important. And they're repeated throughout the gospel. Right at the beginning in chapter 1, John introduces us to Jesus. And he says... That Jesus is the word of God. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined into the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. John confirms that Jesus is the true light. Who is to give light to everyone. 
And then in this chapter, down in verse 19, John says that this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. But people love the darkness rather than the light. Then in John chapter 8, Jesus makes this the wonderful statement. I am the light of the world. He who believes in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And as then Jesus, as he moves towards the cross, you come to chapter 12. And Jesus says, the light is with you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. But I've come into the world as I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me will not abide in darkness. And then when John eventually brings us to Calvary. He says look at Calvary. Shrouded in darkness. Jesus becoming sin for us. Taking the curse upon himself. And so for John, the themes of light and darkness, they're important. And when John discloses that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and under the cover of darkness, he's telling us that there's this other kind of darkness that's covering the soul of Nicodemus. John is telling us about the condition of Nicodemus and he's telling us that Nicodemus was walking in darkness and he needed to come into the light. He's telling us that Nicodemus... Is blind. Nicodemus is blind to the truth. And he's blind to the beauty of Jesus. And he's blind even to the reality of his own condition. Nicodemus was walking in darkness. But what's interesting is that he came to Jesus. He came to the light. Because he was being drawn to the light. He came to Jesus to ask questions because he knew that despite his knowledge of the Bible, despite his outward religion that he pretended to everyone, despite his moral uprightness, he knew that he was still in darkness. And it's clear that this well-known and well-respected man, he came to Jesus by night because he didn't want anyone else to know what was going on. He didn't want anyone else to know that he was being drawn to the light. By Jesus Christ. He didn't want anyone to know that he was interested. Or even intrigued by Jesus. Maybe you're the same. Maybe you're just like Nicodemus was when he came to Jesus. Maybe you're good at putting on an outward appearance of religion. Along with all your Bible knowledge. And yet you know deep down that you're still walking in darkness. But you're being drawn to the light. And you don't want anyone else to know what's going on in your heart. You, you want to have this Jesus. You're being drawn to him. But you don't want anyone else to know what's going on. Not those beside you. Not those in your home. Not those in your family. You want to just come to Jesus by night. Come to him by night and have an encounter in the shadows. That's what you want. Well if that's the case my friend. You just make sure that you come. To this Jesus. And you, an, you have an encounter with this Jesus. Because it's only when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. That your condition will change. It's only when you come to Jesus. Even if it's by night. That your condition will change. And that's what I'd like us to see secondly. We've considered the condition of Nicodemus. But secondly the change in Nicodemus. 
The change in Nicodemus. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And as Nicodemus, as he sits through this, you could say, night class in Jesus' classroom, Nicodemus hears Jesus speak about things that he had never heard before. Because Jesus speaks about the need to have a new birth. Jesus speaks about being born again. And by repeating this statement, Jesus stresses to Nicodemus that a sinner, he cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he or she is born again. But for Nicodemus, this causes a lot of confusion and he, it becomes almost a stumbling block to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus, he asks back in verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And it seems that Nicodemus's question, it's a genuine question. Because he doesn't really understand, he doesn't grasp what Jesus means by the new birth and the need to be born again. And so Jesus teaches Nicodemus about the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of a sinner. And Jesus says in verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, do not marvel. Don't wonder. Don't get confused that I said to you, you must be born again. Because as Jesus has taught and as he ex has explained to Nicodemus, the new birth and the need to be born again is not physical. It's spiritual. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus makes clear to Nicodemus that we cannot enter the kingdom of God by our physical birth. We cannot enter the kingdom of God by being born as a Jew, he said. It's not by birth you enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, says Jesus, it's not Israel. It's not ruled by an earthly king. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And it's ruled by King Jesus. Therefore, we cannot enter the kingdom of God by our physical birth. In fact it's our physical birth. That keeps us out of the kingdom of God. Because we were conceived in iniquity. We were born in sin. Doesn't matter what family we were born into. Doesn't matter if we were even born into a Christian home. With Christian parents. Doesn't matter if we had a good upbringing. Under the sound of the gospel. By going to Sunday school and sitting in church. And hearing preachers preaching to us every week. Jesus is saying to us. Except a man or woman, boy or girl be born again. They cannot. They will not. It is impossible for them to enter the kingdom of God. My friend, unless you have a spiritual birth. In which you are made new. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. <coughs> You need to be born of the Spirit of God. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
Now, when Jesus speaks about water and the Spirit, he's not talking about baptism and the Spirit. He's not saying that in order to enter the kingdom of God and be saved, you need to be baptized. Because baptism has no power whatsoever to save a sinner. I'll repeat that. Baptism has no power whatsoever to save a sinner. Your baptism is not a lucky charm to get you into heaven. And Jesus here, he's not even talking about baptism. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of a sinner. And that's why he mentions water and the Spirit. He's talking about the work of the Spirit. It was John Calvin who said in his commentary, By water, Jesus means nothing more than inward purification, which is produced by the Holy Spirit. And so the reference to water and the Spirit, it's nothing to do with baptism, but it's to do with the cleansing and the purification that the Holy Spirit brings about in the heart of a sinner. And so what Jesus is saying is that unless you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, you cannot be saved. Because it's the Holy Spirit who changes the heart of a sinner. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us a new birth. And it's through him that we're born again. And you know, this work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the sinner... It was prophesied and it was even promised way back in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel. When the Lord spoke through Ezekiel, the Lord said, I will give them one heart. And a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And they shall, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And I shall be... They shall be my people and I will be their God. And so the Lord promised and he prophesied that the work of the Holy Spirit would be a work in the heart of the sinner. And that work would change their heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And that change would be achieved and accomplished by the Spirit. Because the work of the Spirit, this is what's wonderful about the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus known to us. The work of the Spirit is to illuminate Jesus before our hearts and before our minds so that we will see Jesus as this wonderful Savior. And so when someone is born again, they're born of the Spirit. It's not a work of man, it's a work of God. And when God works in someone's heart by the Spirit, they're born again, they're made new, they're regenerated. Because to be regenerated is to be brought from death to life. It's to be brought from darkness to light. It's to be brought from the power of Satan to Christ. Regeneration, it's a work of the Spirit in which a sinner is renewed and restored. And when the Spirit is at work, things change. Things change. And so how do we know when the Spirit is at work? That's a question we should be asking ourselves. How do I know that the Spirit is working in my life and in my heart? Well, Jesus says the Holy Spirit works just like the wind. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born 
of the Spirit. And as we said earlier, Jesus is illustrating to us that we can't see the wind, but we can see the effects of the wind. The wind is able to move lifeless objects. And Jesus says that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives life to dead sinners. And he changes and moves stubborn and hardened hearts to seek the Lord with all their heart. And even though a person may look the same on the outside, inwardly there is a change going on. Because just like the wind, you can't see it, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you can see the evidence that the wind is present. And that's what it's like when the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's heart. You can see the effects of the Spirit. You can see that the Spirit is present in someone's heart. Because the Spirit, He brings renewal. He brings restoration. He brings change. And we can see that with Nicodemus. And the change that was going on in Nicodemus. Because when the Spirit started working in the heart of Nicodemus, the Spirit started by speaking to Nicodemus through the Bible. Nicodemus knew the Bible. He was a professor of theology. But as Nicodemus read his Bible, a Bible that was, as the Bible says itself, inspired and breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And so as Nicodemus read his Bible, the Word of God spoke to him personally. And the word of God spoke to Nicodemus personally because the spirit was at work in his heart. And the spirit was was working through the word of God. And the word of God was convicting Nicodemus of his condition. The word of God was speaking to him and challenging him about the awfulness of his own sin. And even his years of, of having this outward religion. His years of having the hardness of heart. The years of... Darkness covering his own soul. The spirit was enlightening his mind. To his condition. Is that you my friend? Can you see yourself in Nicodemus? That the more you read the Bible. The more you realize that the Bible is actually reading you. And telling you. About your condition. And your need to change. Your need to seek the Lord. But that's not all that the Spirit does. Because as the Spirit began working in the heart of Nicodemus. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus by night. Why? Because he had questions that his religion couldn't answer. Nicodemus had questions about salvation. He had issues, he had thoughts, he had worries, he had concerns. Because he knew that he needed to be saved. Nicodemus had lots of questions. And if you ever have questions about salvation, it's another evidence that the Spirit is working in your heart. And that's why I believe something like Christianity Explored is so good. Because it gives you the opportunity to ask questions in an informal setting. But my friend, if you ever have a question about salvation, if you ever have a concern about your soul, don't keep it to yourself. Please ask one of the elders, lift the phone, speak to me. Speak about it. Ask your questions. Because the reason you're asking questions is because 
The Lord is speaking to you. The Spirit is working in you. And he's calling you to seek him. But that's not all. Because when the Spirit is working in our heart. Like he worked in the heart of Nicodemus. You'll come seeking Jesus. Maybe under the cover of darkness. So that no one will know. But you'll come to Jesus. And you'll speak to Jesus. Because you will see your need of Jesus. Because as the Spirit has been working in your heart. You come to the realization that you are powerless to enter the kingdom of God by yourself. You can't save yourself. You've come to the realization that you cannot save yourself except by casting yourself upon the mercy and grace of God. Because as the Spirit has worked in your heart, you want to be saved. You want things to change. You want to be a Christian. You want to follow Jesus. You want to be with the Lord's people. And when you think about it, that desire wasn't always there. That's another evidence that the Spirit is working in your heart. Because that's what the Spirit does when He starts working in our heart. He changes our desires. And what was once enjoyable to you, what you once thought was so important to you, maybe even what you lived for, It's not as enjoyable now. It's not as important anymore. It's not what you're living for anymore. Because there are new desires. There are new interests. There are new ones. You have a desire to be in church. That wasn't there before. You have a desire to listen in church. That wasn't there before. You have a desire to be with the Lord's people. That wasn't there before. You have a desire to read the Bible. And the more you read it, the more it's reading you. That wasn't there before. You have a desire even to sing in church. That wasn't there before. You enjoy being in church. A desire that wasn't there before. Why? Because the Spirit is at work in your heart. All these new desires. All these interests. They're all evidence that the Spirit is working in your heart. And the Spirit will keep working in your heart. He works in the Christian's heart. Because the promise of the gospel is. He who began the good work. Will bring it on to completion. He'll bring it on. But you know I love what Jesus says in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And we all know what the wind sounds like. Because we hear it whistling and we hear it howling. We did the other night. But what sound does the Spirit make? What sound does the Spirit make? And it was Sinclair Ferguson, who's a Scottish theologian of our generation. He says in his book on the Holy Spirit. He says that the sound of the Spirit, it's the sound of faith and repentance in the experience of a sinner. That's the sound of the Spirit. When a a sinner who was once uninterested and once unwilling to trust in the Lord, when the Spirit works in their heart, they have new desires and they're willing to trust in the Lord. What Jesus is saying, that's when you'll hear the sound of the Spirit. That's when you'll hear them coming. You'll hear them coming. You'll hear the sound of faith and repentance in the experience of the sinner. 
You'll hear them seeking the Lord with all their heart. And confessing their sin. That's the sound of the Spirit. And that's what Nicodemus experienced. He, he, he confessed his sin. He sought the Lord with all his heart. And that change in Nicodemus. It led him to the commitment of Nicodemus. The commitment of Nicodemus. That's what we see lastly and briefly. The commitment of Nicodemus. The condition of Nicodemus. The change in Nicodemus. And the commitment of Nicodemus. Look at verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you. You must be born again. When George Whitfield was preaching throughout England. He would preach on this one text. John 3, 7. You must be born again. And he would go from town to town. Preaching the same text. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. And he would preach with such passion. And there were many people saved. But he was stopped one day and asked by one of those who had listened to him. Sir, Mr. Whitfield. Why do you always preach the text, you must be born again. And George Woodfield, he just looked at the man and he said, because you must be born again. His earnest desire was that sinners would be born again. And I believe that this nighttime meeting with Jesus, that's when Nicodemus was born again. It changed Nicodemus' life. He was never the same after he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the same is true for everyone who has an encounter with Jesus in the gospel. They're never the same after it. They're never the same. It's often said that we never leave church the same way that we came in. And that's true. Because we either leave church with a harder heart. Or a heart that is more receptive to the gospel. And it's a question. How will you leave church this evening? Will you leave with a harder heart? Harder than when you came in? Or will you leave with a heart that is now more receptive to the gospel? But for Nicodemus, his condition, his condition changed. Because like it is with every sinner, when the Holy Spirit worked in the heart of Nicodemus... Nick, he, the Holy Spirit convinced Nicodemus of his sin and misery. He saw his need. He was convinced that he was a lost sinner. Hell deserving sinner. And the Holy Spirit, he enlightened the mind of Nicodemus. Made him see that Jesus is a wonderful saviour. Made him see that he needed Jesus in his heart and in his life. But then the Spirit, he renewed the will of Nicodemus. He made him willing. He wanted to be saved. He desired to be saved. He wanted to be a Christian. He wanted to follow Jesus. And so the Spirit persuaded Nicodemus. This is the way you should go. This is what you should do. You should seek the Lord. And the Spirit enabled Nicodemus to get down on his knees and embrace Jesus Christ as he has freely offered to him in the gospel. Nicodemus was not the same after he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit began to work in his heart. Even though Nicodemus may not have been fully aware of it. Now that's a thought. It took time for Nicodemus to see the change himself. 
He knew there was something going on. He knew the Lord was speaking to him. He knew that there was this desire for new things. He, he had this desire to change. He had this desire to, to seek Jesus. But it took time for him to see the change himself. Others could see the change. Others could see something going on in their life. Because in his life. You come to chapter 7 of John's gospel. And Nicodemus. He's speaking up on behalf of Jesus. Something he would have never have done before. And some people even questioned it. But you know the evidence. That the Holy Spirit had worked in the heart of Nicodemus. Was when Nicodemus made a commitment to Christ. And we see that in chapter 19 of, of John's gospel. After a couple of years of being this secret disciple. Of having this battle going on in his heart. Of wanting to be a, a, a Christian. But always staying in the shadows. Always walking in the night. Nicodemus could hide it no longer. After all these years he could hide it no longer. Because when Jesus died he had to go to Calvary. He had to go to Calvary with Joseph of Arimathea in order to remove the body of Jesus from the cross and bury him in a tomb. And it was a public act. And one which clearly evidenced that the work of the Spirit had been going on in his heart. The evidence was commitment. Commitment to Jesus Christ. The evidence of the Spirit working in the heart of Nicodemus was his commitment. And that's what you have to do too. As one in whom the spirit is working. Because if the spirit is working in your heart. If you have these new desires. If you want to be saved. You want to be a Christian. You want to put the old life in the past. And follow Jesus. You know you can't stay a secret disciple forever. Because in order to be saved. As we were saying this morning. In order to be saved, you must believe in your heart. And you must confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. In order to be saved, you must make a public commitment. You must reveal what's going on in the inside outwardly. You must believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And so we've considered Jesus' lesson on the work of the Holy Spirit. In the heart and life of Nicodemus. And we've considered the condition of Nicodemus. When he came to Jesus. He was walking in darkness. Then we considered the change in Nicodemus. The desires changed. He wanted to be a Christian. Then we saw the con commitment of Nicodemus. He made it known. I have desired Decided to follow Jesus. And all I want to say in conclusion is that. I hope that you can see yourself like Nicodemus. I hope that you came in this evening. And you have seen the condition. Of Nicodemus. And that that is your condition. I hope and pray tonight that you have seen. <clears throat> the change in Nicodemus. And that that is what's going on in your heart. You desire to be a Christian. And I also hope that when you leave here. You will make a commitment. Like Nicodemus. 
that you will decide to follow Jesus and not turn back. If you can see your condition and that you know your desires are changing, then don't put off making a commitment to Jesus Christ. Commit your life to him. Because as John says here in this chapter, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You come and you make a commitment to this Christ, the Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to thee this evening for the reminder of what the Spirit does in our life, that he changes our heart, that he changes our desires, he renews our mind, he enlightens us in the knowledge of Christ, and he persuades us. He makes us see that this is the way, and we are to walk ye in it. O Lord, we pray that each and every one of us that thou, by thy spirit, that thou wouldst speak to us and persuade us and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ as he is freely offered to us in the gospel. O Lord, help us to see the freeness of this free offer, that there are no strings attached, but that we are to come by faith and cling to Christ for time and for eternity. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Bless us in the week that lies ahead. Watch over us, we ask, that thou wouldest keep us on mercy's ground until we find thee. Cleanse us, we ask, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to conclude our service this evening by singing to God's praise in Psalm 87. Psalm 87, it's in the Scottish Psalter, page 342, if you're using the blue psalm book. Psalm 87. We were singing earlier in Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is the only psalm that mentions the Holy Spirit. And Psalm 87 is the only psalm that mentions being born again. And Psalm 87, it's all about those who are Gentiles. Those who are not Israelites, not Jews, that's us. And they're born again. And that's what the psalm is all about. It says in verse 5, And it of Zion shall be said, This man and that man there was born, and he that is most high himself shall establish her. When God the people writes, he'll count that this man born was there, that there be that sing and play and all, my wellsprings in the earth. And it's talking about those who are from all these distant lands, and yet they are born again by the Spirit of God. So Psalm 87 will sing the whole psalm to God's praise.
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.